Hey everyone and welcome to the one Upcast, the only 30 minute podcast that lasts an hour. This is the show where we dig through our old video game magazines and compare what we thought then to the way things are now. My name's Kieran, aka Harry Atomic, and I'll be joined each week by the one, the only, the face of firmest gas, Martinez' main man, Mr. Daniel Ferry. Back at it again. Back at it once again. The tackle more console wars we're, we're, we're in the thick of this now we're, we're in proper deep you really went for that head to start by the way you see this is the thing alright and this is the thing that I think like listeners probably like won't be privy to is that now that we're talking we sound dead chipper but beforehand like before like whenever we just chat for like 20 minutes before an episode starts it's just like hey Hey Daniel, what's up? talk about this? What's up? And then all of a sudden it's like, right, I'll record now. Hey everyone, what's up? And you just you turn it on because like you have it's like I never, I never thought a radio voice was a thing until I started like doing like recorded voices. Um, Do you remember? Here we go again. So you just, you say things, and I actually said in my mind, right? What I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna be not divert. I'm not gonna go off the road. But then you say words, and my mind just goes off on a little, little thing. But you mentioned the radio. Do you remember a radio station in our local? <laughs> okay, in okay, our local, okay, right. In our local town of Derry. Yes. Uh, many, many years ago, called Lovers Around Eleven. Lovers Around Eleven on Riverside One Hundred One. Do you remember that? Lovers my Around God. Eleven. Wow, oh, I love that. It was just fucking. It was like, oh, it's just, it's just cheesy, just and cheesy then, love like, songs. You just had the DJ going, uh, "This is uh, this one is uh, uh, what do you call him? What do you call him? Fucking, fucking Brian Adams. Everything I do for you, this is for Samantha and Top of the Hill from Simon. And uh. then it'd be three songs later. It'll be fucking Aerosmith saying, "Don't want to miss a thing," or Tony from Magella who's working tonight. That's really all it was. <laughs> it was just. That, well, that was long back then. That's when you knew you loved your partner in Derry. Like, you fucking rang up at 11. It wasn't, it had to be after 11. So, you know, you couldn't ring at 5 to 10 or 5 to 11. You couldn't, no, if you rang at 5 to 11, they go, what are you doing? It's not lovers around <laughs> nearly 11. How, are you, it's like, gee, you, don't, you must, you don't even like that girl. You don't even listen to the you show. You don't even like her if you're phoning here at 5 to 11, like some kind of scrub. What are you trying to get an early night? Oh, I'm working on the, working tomorrow, man. I am wrecked. Pure, pure wrecked. Hey, can I do it? I love her and all, but I can't. Oh, well, she's leaving your ass for some boy. Stays up day one in the morning. So what happened? What, what happened if somebody rang up and he, he wanted, like, I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith and, you know, oh, Jimmy across the street got him before him. He's like, oh, I have to pick an arse song. I have to pick an arse song. Um, Superior loves that. Give me, give me, uh, give me, Loving an uh, elevator. Living give me that day. <laughs> and then she's all that song he's nothing to me. I don't like that so song. That, that, terrible. That was a struggle. That was a struggle. What if you were there like you in the queue? What if, I oh, see, I, I have this vision that everybody rings up at like 5 to 12. They try and squeeze in and be like the last song, and somebody like promises their their girlfriend or something, being like, "Oh, sweetie, I I know I burnt the dinner tonight, and I know I forgot to let the let, like leave the rubbish out, and but I got a surprise for you tonight. Just you tune in the oil Riverside One Hundred One at five to twelve. I think you'll be surprised and all. He's sitting and all, beep, beep, being on the phone, engaged. All. Oh man, hey. oh, but messed up bad. Hey. I've seen a video on the internet a couple of weeks ago and I laughed so hard. It was um, it was like an anybody anybody who's 
in a relationship can relate to this. Um, and it's basically where the man goes to the shop and he asks his partner, do you want anything in the shop? And they're like, no. And then they come back and they don't actually bring him back anything. And they're like, <laughs> you didn't get me anything. You didn't get me anything. And he's all, well, you said you wanted nothing. But I didn't mean nothing. I didn't mean nothing. nothing. <laughs> and, and, then he, and then he goes back to the shop and he's all devastated. And he's explained to the shopkeeper, why are you so annoyed? Why are you so back? Well, they asked for a surprise. Oh, no. <laughs> so the real pressure was on them. So they could have should have just rang Q, uh, Q Radio or lovers around the land. So it was. But then uh, I would have a bar of chocolate. I would have had a bar of chocolate. Yeah, you can get them at any time. Before we begin. Yes. Off, bearing away, before we begin, um, I need to talk to you and everyone. Um, again, I'm talking modern stuff, but it's kind of relevant to this, a certain platform. So I, I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you have a connection to the interwebs and you probably heard about this. But I, I just want to, especially yourself, Karen, yes. uh, have not actually spoke to you about this at all. Um, but have you heard about the IGN plagiarism, Karen? Yes, I just heard about that. I mean, I heard about it a few days ago, but I just read a lot of the stuff on it today. Now, albeit I'm just... I'll bring you up to speed on it and everyone who's listening very briefly. Uh, again, you're a content creator a long time and this is where me reading it is kind of like, oh, and I have my opinion on it, but again, I'm not really a content creator. I just uh, <laughs> uh, distract you from doing your job. Just a, you're just a podcast <laughs> co-host. <laughs> so, the, <laughs> that's all I am. I'm just, it's <laughs> just You're the shite. talent. You're the talent. That's what um, um, a friend actually messaged me the other day. So I love your fairy tales. F e r y tales. Fairy oh, tales. Oh, right, right. This leads on to what we were talking about before the episode, where we need to split things and the sections. Yeah, we're gonna have a section called fairy tales. Right, right. The production value of this podcast is going through the roof. Fuck, I've got so much yeah, work to do. People are investing. Oh. People are investing. Right oh. now. They're standing the stock market going bye bye bye. We'll have like a live band and all, and fucking hell, it's gonna be <laughs> fuck. I've so much work to do. As long as we can get a barbershop, a barbershop quartet. Oh, that can buy fuck, so fucking good. Uh, um, so, IGN, uh, two weeks ago, um, I'm going to pronounce his right name wrong, because this is what I do. His name was Philip Mitchin. I believe his name was correct. It is now. now Philip is... Um, the sad thing about this... <laughs> I was actually a subscriber of Philip's YouTube channel. I, for myself personally, I 99.9% of my TV, quote-unquote, watching is YouTube. Like, I just watch YouTube, but after YouTube, I've subscribed to a lot of content. Mm. And I watch a lot of daily content. I'd like, on my lunch and work, I would watch videos. Just, I absorb a lot of content. And I used to actually, when the Switch was booming at the very start, uh... Much like you last week when you're saying N64, N64, I was just like Nintendo Switch, Nintendo Switch, give me all that content. I just want to know what everything's like. Even though I played it on the PlayStation 4, I want to know what this version of the game is like, handheld, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, there's blah. something That's exciting about the Switch versions. Yeah, because yeah, you can take it on the go. And yeah. I've said this multiple times, but see when you're a parent and you can have, you know, you can just lift it. And when Peppa Pig's on, you can just lift it and just sit and fucking jump on oh great but um so philip he had a youtube channel still does uh i think it was called flip 
but it was a play in his words because the way his name was spelt. But anyway, uh, he his, his content was very well edited, very professional made. And if you ever watch any of his videos, a very likable person, really nice guy. Um, long story short, he hits the big time. He hits like 90,000 subscribers, but he gets a job at IGN. IGN is the biggest gaming platform out there. Um, 10 million subscribers, massive website. Big deal. If news, bre- yeah, if news breaks first, 99, it's either Kotaku or IGN that breaks the news. So he get, this guy gets the, the job of a lifetime, dream job. Puts a cha- uh, post up on his channel saying, I'm going to IGN, all my content will be over there. Thanks for your support. Yada, yada, yada. So he's there six months. Everything's going grand. He's reviewing this, he's reviewing that. He becomes the host of Nintendo Voice Chat, which is like their oldest, oldest uh, Nintendo Voice Chat, because IGN initially started as a GameCube website. Wow! And they had Nintendo that. Voice Chat then. Yeah, so they kind of worked their way up. So he tweeted last week after about six months. So I'm guessing it was a kind of like a probationary period. He put up a tweet saying, "Tonight's the night I finally pu- publish and post my first ever." Video review, edited myself. Video. Did it, he basically did everything. He did the review. He did the video. He did everything. Um, where well, he'd done reviews before, but I'm I'm sure someone kind of over his shoulder, helping him out and all that kind of. And so he said he's really excited. Stand by for my review at this time, uh, for a game called Dead Cells. Now Dead Cells. I don't know if you'll be allowed to put on a screenshot or whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's basically on. like a like a Castlevania game where it's like a roguelike and what I mean by roguelike it's procedurally generated so it's a different level every time Yeah. but he gave his review glowing review he gave it a 9.7 out of 10 absolutely loved it and I actually watched the review at the time and I had the game digitally pre-ordered anyway because Castlevania fall back last week Simon Belmont Castlevania oh, yes. fucking all over it so that was grand um 24 hours pass, and a gentleman with the name of Boomstick Gaming yes. uh, put up a video saying uh, IGN copied my my review of Dead Cells. Uh, what should I do? And Dead Cells was out in the PC like six months earlier. It was an early access. You could play it there, yada, yada, yada. He did a video of his video review and IGN's video review. And I don't know, have you seen it, this, this video? Uh, yes, that was the one I watched today. And that's the reason why I wanted to give the disclaimer is that I watched the only the only stuff that I have watched is stuff that was very yeah. bad IGN, good other guy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, and yeah, it so, was pretty uncanny what I saw. Oh, it was fucking day and night. I mean, he might as well use, used a thesaurus and changed a few words here and there. But even... Like when Boomstick mentions like a certain part of like a level or a design in like a two minute mark at the two minute mark on the IGN video, he mentions the exact same thing. Yeah. And there is no denying it. So fast forward, IGN, take the review down, investigate the plagiarism claims. They say, you know, they talk it very yeah. seriously. Then they release a statement a further 24 hours later saying, you know, it's, we take this very seriously. We've parted the ways of the gentleman who's, who's, who's done this. And we'll be re-reviewing about it. Your utmost importance to us more than anything is your your trust as gamers and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it then. Uh, he he flopped that uh, back on his old YouTube channel and 
have you seen his response video no no i haven't seen that yet he he basically he he very brushed it under the carpet he's a excess responsibility for the review however people are gunning for him and kotaku and other websites by all means i invite you to find more because you're not going to find it blah 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 and lo and behold they have found more now because he basically taunted the internet which he shouldn't have done and now he's deleted that video okay so i just want to mention two things with this and we can get on with the show um just because it's fresh in my mind and it's been kind of dominating my internet feed for the past week on reddit and everything um at the very at the start i felt you know kind of on philip's side i was like oh my god no this has to be a mix up mix, mix up because you know he was like the underdog who got the got to the dream position yeah it's easy to look at IGN and think oh they're the big corporate powerhouse that are gone but yeah. the individual reviewers are you know he was an underdog and that yeah. was an underdog story at the same time so you, yeah. you can't just look at it as oh IGN or pricks just because they're big you know yeah no, I agree. and then but as the week came on and more and more evidence came out I mean I hate to use it disappointed but really disappointed in them like I've reviewed stuff badly in the past, but anything that I have reviewed in the past, be it badly, they were all my, always my own opinion, and always kind of make my own wee. Oh, I love this, and you know, I like this thing about it or whatever. I mean, if you can't formulate your own opinion, yeah, uh, you know, you're 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 clearly in the wrong position. I mean, it was a dream job, and I kind of just squandered it all away. I mean, that was a job for life and in this environment in this economical climate there's no such thing as a job for life anymore i know i mean if god's good to us we'd be in our jobs doing well financially for the next 20 30 years we'll provide for our partners and families and it's probably now a different retail for our time but um i just I, I just i'm actually i actually feel really sorry for ign and i know it's very it's very easy for people to hit on ign you know all I can't believe they give this game a seven and they give a Call of Duty a nine point four or whatever, because and the reason why I feel sorry for him is this one person has damaged their reputation so so badly for so many years now. I mean, they're going to it's going to take them years to recover from this because no matter what they say, no matter what they post now, there's always going to be that small minority audience. Uh, would you stole that review or you copied that exactly yeah and going back like um i've been listening to ign since the week came out and like personalities like greg muller and camaraderie and stuff like that just really big personalities and they've gone up and up and but there's people still there like brian altono like really good personalities and just during the week you, you see their twitter and they're just tweeting things like today was very hard and you just have to realise that even though it's this big, massive corporate site, it's people behind the desk too, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I my my main thing with IGN, right? I I it's I think I think it's runoff from me and you being such good friends, and that any time um, that you sent me like you got to check out this game, you got to check this out. It's always that you know those bite-sized IGN reviews that are like two minutes yeah, long, yeah. and at the end it yeah. just comes up being like pros cons, get it on. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the type of stuff I like. It's like tell me what the mm-hmm. game's like, tell me what the good bits are, tell me what the shit bits are, and I can go from there. And yeah. I I really enjoy those. So I any time that I'm looking for a game. Because those are the reviews mm-hmm. that I trust, because you sent them to me, those are the ones that I look, yeah. I, I search out. Now, 
the only problems I have with IGN is the same problems I have everywhere. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, reviewers are, are, are IGN are assholes. It's it's mm. a problem we all reviewing in that money talks sometimes, and yeah. you see games like the new Madden nineteen. Uh, I was I watched uh, Angry Joe do a, like a twenty minute rant in his style that I just love. Uh, he done yeah. a rant on it today. It was twenty twenty two minutes long or something, and it, he showed like a Metacritic where like view or users were given the game like an average of like five, and magazines yeah. were given it an average of like nearly fucking like 9.5 or something or 9.4 mm-hmm. and mm. yeah th- that's the only problems i have with big reviewers is big review scores but yeah those aren't really the types of games that i'm interested in so they it doesn't really yeah. affect me if you know what i mean but whenever yeah, it comes to like we indie it. games like i remember seeing a review for uh hyper light drifter from ign yeah and it was great. Like they sang its praises. They were like, "Oh, this is amazing. This is brilliant." And I played it and loved it and thought it was great. And you know, like there's been so many games yeah. that they've put me on. So I don't really have a problem with IGN. I think they're okay, yeah. and I do agree that it is the individuals, and it does suck, especially for indie game reviews. Yeah, because you know, it's kind of shit that you know these we indie game reviews are being kind of tainted by the fact that the review got stolen and they as you say now it's yeah. going to take them a while to get back on their feet so that kind of sucks yeah. but no I, I at the same time I'm glad that it came to light because the guy that actually did the review you know he deserves to have his work looked after Um, he's, he's pretty much done now like he'll never have a, a even if he continues on to do his YouTube channel now like he's going to have no credibility I mean a man's going to have to I don't know <laughs> Aye. save the world before people take his content seriously maybe you he can know? like review iphone games or something because no way iphone games are all copies of each other yeah uh, it's, it's just a shame you know because as a follower and as a, as a previous subscriber of his content you've seen him and every time you've seen him on ign it was kind of like us one of our boys yeah you know what i mean so it's just a shame it's just a part of the shame it's you know not nice that we have a sad end here but um even if you could link the YouTube video of Boonstick the Ink Gaming just for you know people who are like what's the lay talking about for you yeah. know the actual I'll, I'll put video. on the on the YouTube version I'll put a link down below for the uh, comparison video that we're talking about so that you can see the the evidence that's presented and you can make your own yeah. mind up but I think that the evidence is pretty damning not they sway any yeah. opinions but yeah anyways what we'll do is we'll move on then into the actual episode itself so we are. Now 20 minutes and they are 30 minute podcast that lasts an hour. Yes. Yes, boy. Yes. So <laughs> after our, oh, what did we call it again? After our fairy tale, we now, move yes. in, we now move into our actual part of the episode, which is talking about the PlayStation 1. We are currently, for anyone that's just joined in, we are currently in the middle of a discussion, uh, a, a multi, multi-week discussion about the console wars and really just setting the groundwork for our opinions on games consoles throughout the years. We started right back with the NES and we're now up at the PlayStation. And so before we actually get into that, one thing that I want to mention is the podcast itself. Now, this week has been a whirlwind week for the podcast. Um, Anchor... I know I keep harking on about Anchor, but my goodness, they have done us such a good turn. Anchor has been moving the podcast on the multiple platforms and my emails exploded one day with like eight different emails of different platforms that Anchor has made us available on. So 
as part of my initiative to make sure that every speaker that can play audio will be capable of playing this podcast, the podcast is now available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Castbox, po- Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Spotify, which is the big one. I actually seen someone in the wild today listening to the podcast on Spotify because he didn't have any other like podcast platforms of choice. I mentioned, you know, yeah, it's on Spotify. And it was like, wow, Spotify do podcasts. And there it was. So it means now that I you felt, can... I, I, Pardon? So I felt I felt recently... I felt for like a day. I felt famous when I heard it was on Spotify. <laughs> there's a night... I know there's a nice feeling there because it's like, yeah, that's like, you know, you, you don't think of like, yeah, being available on Spotify. Like you hear so many people talking about Spotify and listening to music on Spotify and blah, blah, blah. So... Spotify, we are now on there as well. You can subscribe on all these different platforms. Whenever we release a new episode, you will get a notification and stuff letting you know it'll be every Friday. There's no set time, but I do aim to try and get them out before the end of the workday so you can listen to this whenever you're going home from work, starting off your weekend right. But also remember that on Anchor, the Anchor app itself, even if you subscribe on other platforms, I am going to like recommend that you at least download the Anchor app because on that you can record. There's a big button beside our icon where you can record questions for us. We can listen to those questions. We can play your question back on the podcast and answer them and we can get a bit of a conversation going. So if you just have a point that you want to make, if you have a question, if you have a suggestion, anything, feel free to send them this on the Anchor app and we can take it from there. So, anyways, moving on to the PlayStation. So, the last time we got the, the N64, we finished off N64 and we talked about PlayStation coming out. We also mentioned about like the birth of the PlayStation with the whole SNES CD thing. But... It was weird back in the day because Sony were like a brand new player to the video games industry as far as yeah, we knew. Was, like uh, we we talked about, you know, the SNES CD made the PlayStation and this studio bought that studio because they didn't like this guy. and that. But really us as gamers sitting, you know, waiting, saving up our pocket money to go and buy games, we didn't know anything about it. We just knew what games were coming out, what consoles were coming out. And that was it. I always, remember, I always remember Tekken was the kind of like the big wow moment for PlayStation. Like, wow, like what the fuck is this? Like a Freddy Arena. Tekken was insane. It was nuts. I I loved it. Do you remember um, Tekken had a, a, a thing where you could play Galaga during the load screens? Do you remember? That was Ridge Racer. Was that Ridge? Oh, it was. It was Ridge Racer. I... I, I thought that was all Namco games. It uh, might have been. You could be red. Oh, I hear you there. I hear you, you hear that? You hear that? Clack, 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 clack. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It, it was all... Galaga was on the load screen of Tekken, but it was also on the load screen of Red Racer. It was on every Namco game. And Namco... Now, this is another wee silly fact. Namco have a patent on playing games during load screens. Really? So, I was yeah. about to say, why don't people do that more? It's Namco have a patent on it. They should sell that on, because that's such a clever idea. I know, it's crazy. They're, they're, we should do an episode one day on stupid video game patents, because there are tons of them. Uh, it's fucking mad, the stuff that people get away with patenting. We all remember the Candy Crush thing, but that's way in the future. Um, Tekken had this weird feature where you could unlock... Who was it? There was a character that you could unlock. I think it was one of the boss characters. 
And in order to unlock him, you had to get like a high score at Gal- like at Galaga during the really? load screen at the start of the game. Yeah, either that or you had to leave your console. Yeah, either that or you had to leave your console on for twenty four hours straight. So most people just got really good at Galaga. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, do you remember the the PS One was the kind of the first company to introduce the memory card? I know the N sixty four had it, but I always remember the the PS One memory card, and there was a bit of a controversy because oh my god, you can't save. You need to buy a memory card, and people were giving off. And I always remember the memory cards were fifteen pounds, but you got fifteen blocks. Yeah, remember it was blocked, and uh, ninety nine ninety nine percent of the games were like. One save equals one block. Yeah. So I always just tell myself, it's only a pound to save. Like, Aye. Except, I know. <laughs> that's how I justified it. I know. And then fucking Metal Gear nowadays is charging you a tenner a save, the fucking bastards. <laughs> but do, do you ever remember that FIFA games back whenever like we used to play sports games? FIFA games used to take up all 15 blocks. Aye, what was that about? Like, what? All those players. What were they saving? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I think I think the whole thing about the memory cards though was that on on the N sixty four, I remember Mario came like we got Mario sixty four, and on those first ones you could save on the cartridge itself. Yeah, and then I got like other games like Goldeneye and and Diddy Kong Racing and blah blah blah, and all those games you could save on the cart. So I didn't get a memory card for like a long time. I had nothing but problems with N sixty four memory cards. I've had I so God, many break. I I bought a third party one, and uh, I have like a few first party ones. And now, like as of now, I only have two N sixty four memory cards that work. One of which I bought only a few weeks ago, and the other was the third party one that I bought back in the day. Every first party N sixty four memory card that I've bought and kept over the years has died. I had nothing but problems with them. constantly losing save data. Speaking of which, I need to memory then come back. I need to go back to N64 for a brief second. Do you remember? Like now we live in an age where games get patched daily. So mm. if there's a there's a version of bug, um, there's a fix for it. Almost like the next day, somebody reports a bug online or Twitter, and then it's fixed. They can really do a hot patch, and boom, it's fixed. Yeah. I always remember on No Mercy, plug for No Mercy again, hey. uh, on the N64, when it first came out, it was broken. It wouldn't save. It just wouldn't save. No matter what you did, it <laughs> wouldn't save. And I remember there was a product recall. So Fuck. even if you didn't buy, purchase the copy of that game in Electronics Boutique or Wellworths or whatever, as long as you went up with a box, because every cartridge had a unique ID, Yeah. Uh, you just took it on and said, here, I'm here for the product recall. And they, you literally handed the cartridge to them, and they give you an another cartridge, and that was that was pretty much it. Um, so obviously, this the second cartridge was patched, and and it worked straight away. Jesus! And it was the only game. I'm a liar. It's I have a fairy tale. Sorry. Get get it's, on it. Get on it. It's the first game that. Uh, I knew. I was like, "That's mad that this has happened." Like, how does such a thing get missed? Because I always remember complaining. You know, it never worked, and then you know, very quickly, it was like, like they have posters in the window in Woolworths or Wellworths. I can't remember. Both de- both of them are dead anyway. Yeah. Um, asking for them to back come back. But uh, the second game, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's in my mind, so I'm going to tell you the second game. It w- it was a product recall, but if you were smart. You wanted this edition. 
it was a it was a Wii game. I think it was Super Mario Party. Yes, it was Mario Party on the Wii. I think it was Mario Party Six, where there was a languaging issue. The game got released in Europe on whatever date it was, and uh, a Koopa called you a bastard. Or yes, there was another one as well where it called you like it it called kids fat and all. It was like one of the. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't we. I don't know if it was we fat or not, but yeah, there was a few of those. Um, so basically, if Cooper called you, he was all, hey, you little bastard. Um, <laughs> no, no, yeah. And uh, I remember going to GameStop This is uh, and asking for deliberately wanting a copy of this game because... Oh, um, so good. You know, I, I just knew, I just knew, you know, you know, this would be recalled. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, patch it or not, it's still on the disc. So it, it basically got the, the name, the Bastard Edition. So I went to GameStop and the manager, who I see quite regularly, wouldn't sell me the game. He said, no, we're not allowed to sell it. We have to send them back. Um, so I then went to like what everybody wants or something like that. Nice. Some random yeah. store, uh, some like not in the no store. It was actually Extra Vision. Yes, yes, we're back in the fuck they were useless. <laughs> I, I went down and I was like, oh, can I buy this game? Yep. I don't bother. I I purchased it uh, and put it on. And right now, Cooper called me a bastard within five minutes. I was like, yes. That's it. I've and, got the uh, bastard edition. Um, then I sold it online about two weeks later for £80. Yes. And you I don't even want to eBay it now. I was a reseller there. I should have held on to it. You know, <laughs> like in 10 years' time, show my kids you want to play this game, and then I could call you a bastard. So they, but I, I go back to the PlayStation, sorry. Yes, yes, we'll go back to the PlayStation. So, uh, the, the, we're on about memory cards. That I remember uh, on the back of some of the games, like they had, they had to have adverts for memory cards. I'll, I'll put, I'll, for the YouTube viewers, I'll put a, an image up, but. Uh, the the most famous one was Final Fantasy 7 now I remember getting Final Fantasy 7 first game I ever bought on launch day queued up for uh, Virgin to open to, to get in and, and buy it on the morning uh, nobody knew why anyone was queuing up and they just kind of walked in and bought the game and left but um, there was no big fanfare or anything but yeah. at the at the uh, uh, on the manual at the back of the manual, there was because this was like a JRPG, and you know this was obviously these were m- like many, many like hours of games, like hundred hour games or whatever. On yeah. the back, it was uh, an ad, and I still remember what it said. It was all oh, PlayStation One, PS One memory card. Try beating Final Fantasy Seven without it. And I was like, oh, I, I was like, all right, fine, I'll fucking beat this fucking game so I was on no problem I'm no I'm a I'm I'm a kid I just went uptown and bought this new game and I've no money left I just spent my pocket money and I can't afford 15 quid for a memory card so I'm gonna beat this game and I sat and I must have got like 30 hours in because I didn't know like how long the game was gonna last and I was just sitting there like fuck yeah. like I this better end soon like I'm really in yeah. hot and I remember dying and I remember the game over screen and the continue box was like grayed out and i was just like oh no and then i went up the next day and like begged for money to buy a memory card like my mom was like gracious enough to be like okay because i was trying to explain to her like no but you have to save your game and all that she was just like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about but here go buy one of them memories things 
and I got like mine they were see-through you could get like coloured ones that's right that you can get different colour ones mine was dark purple mine was red because like, it was the only one they had left <laughs> and I got a red one I still you know, have I like it. the the PS one the PS one games when you open them up but they had the wee was that PS two am I getting my I am getting my hand myself like no I was about to say the memory card you know it held your memory card but that was the PS two games yeah I I really have this nostalgic thing for memory cards and it's the saddest it's the saddest thing I collect right now I collect like a good chunk of games and I have sort did of late uh, pardon do you ever write in your label I did once. It was. I never did. You know? I did once, and it, do you know what it was for? <laughs> Fucking FIFA. It was like this is the yeah. this is the FIFA memory card, like FIFA World Cup '94. It's like the whole memory card's FIFA. Like don't fucking touch it. But <laughs> you delete one block, they're all gone. But uh, the 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 one thing that I've gotten on the nowadays about PS One is right. I, I I love controllers. I will buy if if I see controllers for like no money, even if I have hundreds yeah. of them, I will buy them. And yeah. uh, if I see memory cards, pretty much just accessories. I'll pick up loads of accessories. It's like, it's not an official part of like the collection I'm trying to build. It's just if I see like an N64 controller for like two quid, like I'm going to pick it up because, yeah. you know, never know when you'll need more controllers. So yeah. I always, I, at the minute, PlayStation 1 memory cards are like cheapest chips. If you go in, they like... Yeah charity shops car boot sales cex anything like a pound two pound you'll get a memory card and every time i see one i buy it and i never use them the only the, the do, reason do you ever check what's on them uh, that's what i'm about to say every time yeah. <laughs> i check what's on them and i see that their saves still on there and i go no nah, i can't delete that because i still have this aversion to overwriting people's saves yeah, yeah. now i have well, one well, memory card that i can what's that Go ahead, sorry. I'm, I'm saying you, I have one memory card that I can still use, but don't. And it's a factory sealed PlayStation 2 memory card. So I know for a fact there's no saves on that one, but it's factory sealed, so I can't use it. So I have loads of memory cards, but I'm afraid to use them because I don't want to like delete people's saves. You see, like Final Fantasy IX saves with like 200 hours on it. You're like, nah, I can't get rid of that. That's lousy. Uh, I should back all these up and make like a wee website of like people's saves, like a like a graveyard right, up, up, saveyard. Up, upload them to the cloud. Um, Preserve them like forever. Those, uh, uh, the interesting. I always remember. Do you remember when you went onto the? the memory card manager screen and it showed you like the blocks and then the, what game it was. I always remember Buster Move, the wee, the wee, the wee green dinosaur that has, has, like his block was always animated as if he was looking for a, like a bubble. Yeah. I always remember that. I always remember that. But I have a retail for you. Oh. Um, when you're, you're talking about not wanting to delete, um, people's memory card data and stuff. Um, when I worked in game, um, we did trade-ins a lot. Um, but in my 10,000 days that I worked there, hey. you get trade-ins every day. People would trade on every day. And it was always, you know, um, one of the perks of working there as a gamer, you know, if people brought on like good stuff, you always kind of had first dubs because you could just buy it after they traded it on. Oh, yeah, it was a perk. Um, but anyway, you'd be trading, uh, processing pre-owned. And what that means is somebody would trade on pile of games and we had this like cubby hole underneath the towel where you'd pick them all and then halfway through the day you'd always wait until it piles up and then halfway through the day you would go out back or you go kind of in the isolated area and what you would do is process the pre-owned so what you would do is you print out labels so the 
the company's own labels, label all the games, open the games out, take out the manual, put the CD or cartridge or whatever it was into the manual, wrap it up, price the empty box, put the empty box on the floor, and then put the game in the drawer. And yeah. that's what you did, right? And you alphabetized it, and that was grand. And this was just like a mundane task, you know. I actually found it quite therapeutic. Yeah, I was just love doing pre-owned. I like alphabetizing stuff, mm. weirdo. Uh, but anyways, um, one day, um, uh, when you you always had kids train on, and you always had your parents come off them, and I had this kid come on with a pile of Nintendo games, uh, and it was during the time of the Wii U, and he was looking to get, I got Smash Brothers uh, or something like that, and he traded on a pile of games, and Nintendo games always trade on for a lot of money. And I remember he traded on a he's trading on a pile of stuff, and he was really, really surprised by the prices he was getting. He was just like, "Wow, that's a lot more than I was expecting." And um, he got his game, and he got some credit, and he left happy, and that was grand. But I remember later on that day, and he really looked after his stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, it's a pity this kid had to trade on this stuff because he obviously took care of it. And there was a copy of Pokemon X, and I opened it, you know, I was processing it. But as I opened it, there was a letter inside it. Okay. And it was a letter saying, Dear new game owner, I have caught every single Pokemon under the safe file one. This is yours to keep and to join now because I know how hard it is to catch a Pokemon. I know I know how hard it is to catch them all. Aww. And uh, I was just like, oh my god. Like that wee boy obviously put hours and hours and hours in that. And he knew, he knew, and uh, there, there was just a wee letter on it. And I remember showing it um, to my area manager at the time, and he was just like, when you're not selling that, I'm buying that and I'm taking that home. Yeah. Because uh, he just don't want somebody to go, ah, whatever. And I don't, like, I don't know where the game is now, but if like if I knew the kid I'd probably just would have purchased it and give it back to him yeah, but just it, was, it was one of those nice you know it was one of those nice retail moments where yeah. you're just like oh no he's put so much love on it and he was willing to sacrifice it for Smash Brothers which is completely understandable by the way. yeah yeah <laughs> the, the, the hype train is fucking real in Smash Bros isn't it <laughs> but uh, sorry I keep again sorry I keep doing it sorry no, it's fine. I, I I enjoy these. What I, I you're 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 really getting the creative juices flowing here because I've been toying with the idea of like putting up a website, you know, to congregate like all this stuff together. And uh, I th- yeah. I think the Saveyard is something that we're gonna have to have on that website uh, on the website. <laughs> the we're gonna have to have the Saveyard. Any any old saves that you find from random fucking old games, and I just back them up and just fire them up on here. You never know the original person might find their old save again, or someone else might want to pick up where someone else left off and complete that journey or catch them last Pokemon. Or you never know. So we'll we'll look under the Saveyard, but more importantly retails is is something that has to happen so we're gonna have to try and formalize that at some point in the coming weeks but yeah that we're definitely gonna have to do retails but on on the 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 playstation one thing we touched on something last week that i really want to get into and i think that this might be this could be a meaty section but we touched on the idea of of piracy on the playstation one oh yes last week and you were saying that that wasn't really like you. You were a you were a good boy. A, you bought your games. You brushed your teeth and you said your prayers. And 
I was a fucking heathen. Like I, I, I had a, I had a, I had, I was a scurvy cur. I had a CD burner. My friends had CD burners. We were burning CDs for each other all fucking day. And I, I remember getting like stacks of like 20 CDs, like blank CDs. And at the time CD burning was like the coolest new thing on the fucking block. Um, right, we, okay. We would go and rent out games, and I'd burn like four copies and give them to all my mates, and then they would burn copies and of games they rented. And so every weekend you were getting like five fucking games handed to you, and it was amazing. It was brilliant, and I would like I I took so good care of these things. Like I bought like sticker paper and all. They make like nice like labels, and like I had like a filing cabinet that was just filled with like hundreds of PlayStation One games and. I always remember then the local Andor market had the um, had the pirated games and they actually went above and beyond and they actually coloured photocopied the uh, original box art. Yeah, yeah. It was always bl- it was always blurry and all. Right, because they uh, it was like a photograph taken on like an old disposable fucking camera. <laughs> but the the thing that got the thing that got me about it right now I know that obviously piracy is wrong and don't be doing it and it's bad and you know people make games that need to fucking make games and whatever and need to get paid for it but the 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 thing is though the reason why i bring it up is because for a lot of people especially a lot of people that i was talking to it it was like the it was like a renaissance of games it was like we were playing games we were getting games faster than we could play them we were discovering genres that we never knew existed you know we, we got to play imports as well because a lot of these mod chips allow you to play imports if you got, uh, do you think this is why the? Do you think this is why the PlayStation One was so successful due to piracy? I think I think it helped because there was a lot of people that I knew that weren't gamers that just kind yeah. of had like Nintendo and Sega around as toys, not like yeah. as like no, it was just like oh, it's something to connect up every so often and play like a wee game, put it away. Have a PlayStation in their room, connect it up at all times, and consider themselves gamers like i have i have friends that now probably play the odd game of call of duty and fifa with their friends maybe they play an assassin's creed game if they're bored it's just kind of like you know that sort of like i i know i just nap on and play every now and then but it's not like a thing yeah like i have i have friends like that that like played final fantasy 8 like when it came out and loved it just because it was there and because it was accessible and because of that, there's people that play and know about JRPGs that might not have known about it otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I discovered games like Medieval and, and just all these other, like, wee quirky platformery type games that I loved, like Gex and stuff like that. And while, yes, I, I understand that, again, piracy, bad, don't do it. It At the time... You fucking did it though. <laughs> At the time, I fucking did it, and it was you great. Did it hard. I did it all. Like, oh, I did it with a. This is so wrong. I did it. I did it so so fucking much as much as I could, but again, it was after that point that I was like, yes, I I I'm gonna play games forever. I I felt like my tastes became like I felt like I got tastes. Like at the start, I didn't really have any tastes. It was just like, oh, I like playing games, whatever, uh, whatever's new. At this stage, then after the PlayStation and after seeing a lot, it was like, no, I like this type of game. I prefer this type. I know the difference between a good game and a bad game, and uh, you know what I mean. Like, I felt like I matured. I have a question for you. Was there an, ever a moment in your life where you were playing a game and you went, you know what, I'm going to play games forever? 
like I, game on is always going to be a man because I can guarantee I I made a joke about this today at work I was serving a lady who worked in an old people's home and she was just saying you know all the elderly are kind of setting their ways with their TV soaps and you know they have their wee magazines and their wee crosswords old people's homes in 30, 40, 50 years times are going to be I'm telling you they're going to have land parties <laughs> I <laughs> gonna fucking be. told <laughs> Natasha, about this, I said there, I was like, me and Dan, we we have it planned out. We have we're gonna we're gonna be hooked up, big style. Whenever we get to retirement age, me and you's going to the home, and they're gonna say to me and you, they'll be all oh, okay, Mister Ferry, Mister Harrigan, off to your bed now. It'll be like eight o'clock. We'll be all oh, I know, baller at scram, connecting the switches up and all through the wall, playing fucking Smash Brothers. All oh, I got you, lad, and all land party and all. We wireless adapters and everything. They'll be all oh, Mister Ferry, keep it down and all. You'll be all oh, Super Smash. <laughs> it's gonna be strange because like my kid, like I always remember when I was you know younger and I was kind of dating girls and stuff and we went to the house to meet the parents and the daddy was always sitting in the sitting room watching football they were always watching football I mean it was like <laughs> they had it pre-recorded on a tape oh there's this there's this 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 boy's coming I must put on the football to show my dominance <laughs> it's going to be very strange for me because somebody's going to like boy or girl walks in and go hello Mr. Ferry I'm such and such and I'm fucking you any good Smash Brothers come on over just hand him a Smash <laughs> controller and be all there lad pick hand him a Smash controller and I'll fucking tell him who's boss that <laughs> I'll KO and like oh I've never played this game before what God, get out of my house no it's fucking terrible it's, it's, just, it's just gonna it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be very interesting but on the subject of PlayStation 1, I need to mention this, and I, I probably will be the only one that will ever mention this, but, um, and if anybody on listening, on the, uh, please let me know in the comments below. When you talk about PS1, you always talk about the big hitters like Parappa Rapper, Metal Gear, Resident Evil, Tekken, Crash Bandicoot, yeah. Driver, all these games, Tomb Raider, etc. There was a game on the PlayStation 1, I could never find it, ever. I don't know if it ever came out, but it was on a demo disc, and I fucking hammered that demo disc with that game constantly. Right, the hunt is on. That we need to figure was, out what it is. What, what is it? The game was called IQ slash Intelligent Cube, where it was just this little man on a platform, and these cubes rolled towards you. And what you had to do was, like, it would be, like, two black cubes and two white cubes, and you had to eliminate the black cubes by highlighting that area, so anytime it went onto it, mm. it disappeared but they used to come out at you at a certain speed and it was a puzzle game. So it was kind of like, imagine it was Tetris, but you, like these blocks were coming at you. Um, intelligent Cube or Intelligent Cube or something like that. Mm. But I fucking loved that game. And that's the thing I loved about the PS1. Um, <clears throat> when you had the N64, which I loved, when you only give them a fiver pocket money at the weekend, you could just go buy a demo disc. It was fucking great. I mean, you can just... Like because of the demo disc, I could verbatim. I said this before, but verbatim, uh, t- sing right to you the 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 level proper rapper. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, the, demo you know, disc. Because I, I just played it over and over and over again. I mean, the the console itself. I mean, like it's, it's sold over a hundred million units, doesn't it? I'll I'll I'll, I'll if, double check. I mean, it. it I don't think they've managed. I think I know the PS2 has done it, but it has had they have done over a uh, hundred million units. Da, 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 da. PlayStation one hundred and two million units. 
And you know what I also think it aided that as well, and we didn't mention it, um, the fact that it had a bolt-on CD player. Yes, that's one thing I was going to mention as well. That was a huge deal because I remember having, I, I, I mentioned it on like a vlog video that I made where like I bought like the old Coke radio that I had when I was younger. And yeah. so, and the reason why I had a Coke radio when I was younger is because listening to the CDs was a big part of sitting around in your room and yeah. playing games and playing with toys and doing things and like having CDs and tapes and stuff playing in the background was a big deal. So being able to congregate all these things together was a big deal and the thing was as well it was competitively priced as far as hi-fis go it played through your tv so you didn't need any other speakers there was visualization which at the time was like a big thing everyone wanted like cool visualization for whenever your cds were playing and sony were playing to their strengths because everyone knew Sony as being like the Walkman company. And I think I mentioned it yeah. before with a wee bit of disdain in my voice where like, you know, what's the Walkman company doing getting into games? What's the music? Oh, they just make CD players. Yeah. What are they doing getting into games? So what they do is they bring out, a, you know, a, a games console that also plays CDs so that whenever a kid is coming to their parents and being like, I want, you know, a PlayStation and oh by the way you don't have to buy me like a radio or a hi-fi because the playstation does it that's that's a value proposition for parents as well do you know what i mean yeah you know what outsold the wii it did the ps1 what the wii do by 1.2 million units playstation sold 102 Wii sold 101 that's insane fucking mad that's insane yeah um the, the, the Wii probably would have beat that if pre-owned it wasn't such a big thing though yeah that's that's the thing I mean uh, talking the about the whole piracy thing as well on that end like piracy sells hardware not software so yeah. that wouldn't have affected if anything it would have helped hardware sales but I mean the fact that PlayStation were able to come out with their first console and get a reaction like the Wii got was fucking yeah. mad I think I think that now we've we've we've, we've touched on a lot of play, uh, points about the PlayStation so pretty much it's safe to say at the end of the PlayStation's life cycle, it was you know, everyone who didn't believe in it, even if you li- even, no, you could like it or you could hate it, but PlayStation was, was there to stay. That was, you know, that was at it. You know, we knew then that we had another, a third player. We had Nintendo, we had Sega and we had PlayStation. So what we'll do then next week is we'll go on. We, we had a discussion before this uh, in our, in our prep time and we, we kind of, we shook our heads a bit, thinking, oh shit, how are we going to tackle, you know, the future? How are we going to tackle the next generation? Because there's multiple consoles. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to figure out a, a way of approaching the next generation. But we're getting into some really big, you know, crazy competition territory here. We've got the, the massive PlayStation 2 launch. We've got the Xbox, another player into the video game field coming in. We've got the GameCube, which might be Nintendo's dark moment. And we have the death of Sega with the Dreamcast. So all that is coming up in future episodes. We're going to have to figure out how we're going to tackle this this behemoth of a generation. But we'll get there. So, But before we go, but before we go, yes, I have two things. I have two things. Just in case anybody's listening, saying, what was Daniel's moment that he knew he was going to play video games forever? That moment was Super Mario Bros. 3 and level 1-1 one, one, where you ran across and you started flying. That's when I knew. Uh, That's true. Then. I'll give you mine quick before you move on to your next bit. Mine was the end of Ocarina of Time whenever Navi, spoilers, whenever Navi flew away 
and I felt dead inside. <laughs> and I was like, it's like the feels hit you hard. I was like, motherfucker. I was like, what's going on? No, well, uh, sorry. And and that was actually the second time I ever cried at a video game. The first time was playing Bubble Bobble, where I sat and played all 100 levels of Bubble Bobble and finished the game finally after weeks of trying. And whenever it came up, being like, well done or congratulations or something. No way, NES games used to just finish by saying, yeah. thanks, lad, good on you. And I was like, yeah. and it came up on screen being, oh, sweet lad, you, you beat the game. And I cried. I was like, yes, I fucking did it. And so a mixture of crying at Bubble Bobble for trying so hard and crying at Navi leaving because it was the most difficult fucking video game thing I ever had experienced. That was when I knew I was going to be playing forever. <laughs> but well, the, you're, you have one go, point. You have one point. Go, I have one point. We have a reader mail. Yes. We have a reading mail. Uh, we have to get through it very quickly uh, because our what time or what time are we on? We are currently <laughs> fifty-seven minutes on our thirty-minute yes, podcast. We'll, we'll by my fly through it. So Peter has wrote in just like you can using the Anchor app. You can leave your voicemail if you want, uh, or you can hit me up, my boy Harry at Harry Atomic YT YT for YouTube, uh, and myself on Twitter Ferryman Five Thousand. So, he's just asked very quickly, genuine question for some uh, for the podcast sometime. You guys are talking about the console wars and the development of gaming. When or where? When or where was the biggest jump between consoles in terms of gameplay or power or possibilities? So, I think that's a question you'll know. I, like, obviously, I would just say Mario 64, when you went from 2D to that 3D realm, that was a big wow moment for me. But in terms, I think Peter's talking, you know, on a terms of a technical level, you know, what was the biggest jump technology-wise? That's a question for you. For me, I think both. I think I think both happened at the same time. Now, there's there's two big technical leaps that I want to really talk about. Um, one was a leap in terms of customer, and one was a leap in terms of 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 gameplay. Uh, no, of under the hood technology. Gameplay-wise, for me, the PlayStation Two. Whenever the PlayStation Two came out, it felt like such a game changer because that thing had like not the not the hark on not the jump too far ahead and the like future episodes, but PlayStation Two had a DVD player, which at the time DVD players were expensive, like stupidly expensive. Yeah. Um, you could play games on them that just looked amazing. I remember watching a trailer for SSX Tricky, and my mind was blown and then I, I seen like in the ad like i don't think it was like an official ad i think it was like a wee mini tech review on like mtv or something back when they used to do that type of thing and like the person swapped out the game for like a copy of the matrix and played the matrix and it was playing on the tv and it was like oh this is fucking mad. and i mean when i got a playstation 2 everything that was connected to my tv got disconnected and got replaced with the playstation 2 that was it just one device just managed to take over everything and it killed Sega. It was so big, it killed Sega. Like, it, uh, it was my just... My wife used the expression during the week saying everybody and their mother had a PS2. Yeah. It was the first... It was like the DS Lite. All, like, it was like the original craze of DS Lite. Like, man, when that came out, it was like everybody had a DS Lite. Even people who weren't <laughs> interested, like parents were buying DS Lites for their kids for Christmas who showed no interest in gaming whatsoever. It was the same with PlayStation 2. People just happened to find themselves with a PlayStation 2. I think, as we close off, Sony, this is actually a beautiful thing to state, but I think it's the first 
thing Sony marketing wise did was bring the console out of the bedroom and have it under your TV in the sitting room. So like now, now when you go into somebody's home, home 90% of the times there's a console under the TV. Yeah. That was never a thing up until the PS1. I mean, everyone like, or on a PS2, it just, they were designed. This is where the whole black console came from. They were designed to match your furniture. Yeah. I did not stick out and not look like a toy. They, they, made, they made it from a bedroom device to your sitting room, you know, because you had that DVD player, you had that CD player. Yeah. The the so. second uh, one that I'm going to talk about, I was, I, I've actually changed my mind. I was going to say the Xbox 360 because of Xbox Live and going to HD, but I'm thinking away here now, and I'm thinking that one thing that I think has to be commended in terms of the biggest leap in gaming would probably have to be the NES. Now, hear me out on this one. All right, okay. Before the NES was... Atari and all sorts, right? Now I we've just had the one hour mark, but so at this point now, fuck it, I'm gonna get on the I'm gonna get on this for like two minutes. Whenever whenever or before the NES came out, Nintendo were just making arcade machines. They were a company, but they weren't doing home consoles. The Atari was out. Uh the Atari twenty six hundred, the Atari fifty two hundred, the Atari seventy eight hundred, you also had ColecoVision, you had the Intellivision, you had a, a whole bunch of a slew of consoles it was insane not only that but the market was so crowded you know the way nowadays if you want to like release a game on playstation or nintendo or something like that you have to get like approved by nintendo and playstation to bring out your game on yeah. that console uh-huh. you didn't have to do that back in the day what right, you, okay. you could anyone could release anything there was brands of dog food that you could buy that came with a free dog food branded atari game what? It was like the Wild West. The ColecoVision, who was the rival to uh, Atari, had an add-on for the ColecoVision that allowed you to play Atari games. That'd be like PS4 now bringing out like a, a fucking Blu-ray player that allows you to play Xbox One games. It was mad. So there was like eight fucking consoles. There was games coming out the ass. There was no quality control. Some of these games were getting pumped out literally as ads for dog food. You would sign up for a newsletter. You would get a, a Coleco game. It was just nuts. And eventually the whole market just completely collapsed. Nobody wanted games. Games were going on the bargain bins for like, you know, 10 for $5. Like, it was a great time to be a customer, but it was a shit time to be in, like, the industry of making games. Atari had yeah. three consoles on the market at the same time. Not only that... But the third one that they had on also played the same games as the first one. And they were all named after numbers. It was like 2,600, 5,200, 7,800. But the 7,800 also played 2,600 games. But the 5,200 only played 5,200 games. And it was mad. So, I... I, You know what's mad? What? Did you hear about the Mega Drive game that got released this week? Was there a Mega Drive game released this week? There's a Mega Drive game this week released called Tanglewood, which is an homage to basically, it's very Aladdin-esque. Um, you know, back, do you remember Aladdin, the retro Aladdin back in the day? Mm. It's a game called Tanglewood. Uh, it was kickstarted there about a year ago and people backed it because it was like a cheap backing and it actually happened. That's amazing. Um, and, and anybody who backed it is getting a Mega Drive cartridge sent to them now within the next six weeks. Um, so it's called mm. Tanglewood, and you can't download it. You can't ROM it. It can't be. It's, it's an official release. It's, then? A, 
it's an official release game with the, the, the Mega Drive box art and everything. That's amazing. Um, I have an image I will send you as well yeah. for the benefits of it. The cool thing about that is as well, just on a side, on, to finish this side note, is that the Dreamcast uh, has been having regular releases ever since it came out. It hasn't stopped. There are still games being made for the Dreamcast every That's- every month. It is the Insane. biggest homebrew console out there, but we'll talk about that when we get on the Dreamcast. So coming back to the NES, all right, I, I've painted a very confusing picture of how games were. Very, I've purposefully painted that type of picture because that's the way that it felt like to be not only a gamer at the time, but the parent of a gamer, the person, like the parents who didn't know what the fuck they were buying. You know, am I buying the right game for the right console? Does this work? Does it not work? Yeah. So not only did Nintendo have to come out with a console, they had to come out with a console in a time when no one wanted consoles. You know what I mean? Like the video yeah. game, the, the whole video game market crashed in 1983 and then Nintendo decided yeah. to bring out the NES in 1985. So, and Mr. and Mrs. Ferry decided they bring out Daniel in 1983. Yes! So <laughs> they just knew. So the two things that Nintendo did that, uh, that were revolutionary that saved gaming as an industry one was called the nes lockout chip which was the chip inside every cartridge and inside the consoles that talk to each other that tell it it's an official game so what that meant was is that joe blogs down the street who owns a dog food company couldn't bring out a nes game do you know what i mean (laughs) it so quality control was introduced back in. Now, you, we can fight about quality control and Nintendo's mon- monopolistic practices back on the NES days, but it saved gaming back in the day because it introduced quality control back into the market again. So people buying games knew they were getting good products. You know, that gold seal, like Nintendo seal of quality or whatever. Like you knew yeah. that then, like, no, nah, it's fine. That's a good game. And the boys have spoke for it. Like the other thing was the design of the console as well. Like the Famicom looked like it did in japan it looked like a toy because at the time kids loved toys and robots and stuff so it came we robbed the robot and all this type of stuff but the nes looked the way it did like if you open a nes cartridge like 75 percent of the space inside a cartridge is just empty yeah the reason being is because they wanted it to look like a vcr Ah, they didn't want it to. They didn't want it to look like a game cartridge. If you if you had a cartridge that you put on the top, it would look like a games cartridge. And the people who two years ago said "fuck us," I'm never buying one of them again, wouldn't buy one. Do you know what I mean? So uh-huh, right, in our okay. market, they made it look like a VCR because VCRs were cool, and you know what I mean. You slotted the tape on the front, and it was all great. And that's why they look the way they look. So Nintendo's design of the NES and the lockout chip saved gaming as an industry and i think that that's probably they to give a a a short question a long answer that's that's probably the one for me that would be the biggest leap forward there you go so fighting of knowledge sir i i try my best uh, what i what i do in editing i also try to read up on and silly facts but what we'll do is we'll leave it there then we will uh we will pick up again next week whenever we figure out how the fuck we're gonna tackle the next generation we might have to make it a multi-parter <laughs> or break it down into its constituent parts but we'll look it up this week but anyways did you enjoy yourself this week i i did i did um i keep the burton the road again but um he's all of it he's yes all of it, really. i i like the fact that i i actually had uh, a listen back to the podcast uh they are first episode which I know now is only like what six or seven weeks ago or something. It's our first episode. Oh, what number are we on? We are now currently number? on number seven. 
There you go. This is number <laughs> seven. made it this far. Yeah, no. So six six weeks ago, um, when I, I I listened to our first podcast that we did like six weeks ago, and I was thinking like. I can hear that, like you know, things are getting more comfortable, and we're we're taking the feedback on board, and and the feedback is really useful and stuff. And so, I I I I'm I'm really enjoying making these. I'm I'm hoping that as time goes on, we, we talked a wee bit before the episode about trying to structure it a bit more and getting better at it. But it is more structured than it was when when we started. And anyways, all I'm trying to say is is that we're getting better. I'm really enjoying it. I'm loving making them. So. We'll uh, we'll we'll see you guys next time. We'll hopefully figure out how the fuck to do the next episode. But uh, yeah, <laughs> as we were saying, uh, podcast platforms we're on about a freaking million of them. But the main ones that we always try to push are Apple Podcasts. We're on Anchor where you can leave us voice messages, and we are also on Spotify. So make sure to get subscribed on your platform of choice. If you want to talk to me directly, you can talk to me on Twitter at Harry Atomic YT. If you want to talk to Daniel directly, you can get him on Twitter at. Ferryman5000 Ferryman5000 So anyways from me Anyway thanks for listening everyone And I'll see you all next week And thanks again guys See you later Bye bye